the Word, if you would open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 3, we will pray, and uh, we'll get right into um, the Word of the Lord. Amen. Praise God. Father, tonight we're grateful indeed for your blessing. We are expecting good things. We are expecting the glory of the Lord to fill this place. We are calling, Lord, every seatful. We are declaring that the altar is filled with people being saved. Lord God, that your miracles and your healings are in manifestation. Glory to God every time we come together. Lord, we pray and believe for revelation knowledge. Open the eyes of our hearts tonight as we look at this all-important teaching. And we give you praise, Lord, and give you glory for it. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Look again with me at 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. And uh, we're going verse by verse through uh, 1 John. And uh, last week we covered uh, most of the first three verses. But uh, let's just look at them again for a moment. 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us. The word bestowed there means lavished. That's what you do with ketchup on your french fries. Or A1 on your steak. Right? Or salsa on your tacos. And uh, that description can't even begin to describe how much your Father loves you. And how much He has lavished upon us. That we should be called sons of God. I love the fact that you're a son of God. That you are a child of God. That the Bible says that sons of God should by love serve one another. Amen? See, in and through sonship is where our service comes from. It's something that we do willingly. Therefore, the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, or the sons of love. And it does not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall see, we shall be like him, For we shall see him as he is. And this is where we left off last week. And every man that has this hope in himself purifieth himself even as he is pure. So this hope that we have is we're going to see Jesus. And when we do see him, we're going to be just like him. Now we're looking through a mirror kind of darkly and we know in part. Back there, as I said last week, the mirrors were, were not like mirrors were today. And so they would kind of, you know, get images and glimpses of themselves in the mirror. And we get images and we get glimpses of the word of the Lord. Amen. But how many of you know that there's coming a day where all of your questions are going to be immediately answered? Probably as soon as you think of it. That's a powerful thing. Amen. But notice with me, the hope that we have is we're on our way to heaven. And while we're on our way to heaven, we are enjoying the work of regeneration. We're enjoying the work of justification, which means right standing with God. One person defied, justified is justified, never sinned before. That's you. That's me. The righteousness of God in Christ. Not because of our own works, our own merits, but because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sin away from us. 
And every man that has this hope in himself purifies himself. So there's regeneration. There is uh, justification. And now we're in that process, if you would, of sanctification. We're learning to separate ourselves from things that would hinder our development as disciples in Christ Jesus. Sons of God uh, are to purify themselves by the Word of God and by right living and righteous living so that they can become more like the Son of God and be used in a greater way. Amen? So on this road of sanctification, there is a cleansing There is a purification that takes place. And I think it's very important for us to realize that God just doesn't come down and do it. He does so with our cooperation. So we must make ourselves available, if you will, for that work of sanctification in our lives. Um, uh, In 2 Corinthians, I believe it's chapter 7 and uh, verse 1 after he talks about us being the temple of the Holy Spirit, and after he declares, you know, come out from among the world and be separate. And so in 2 Corinthians 7, 1, he says, Having then therefore these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and of the Spirit, so that holiness can be perfected in our lives, or so that we can walk in a higher degree of sanctification. But I think it's very important to realize that it says, cleanse yourselves from any and all pollution or filthiness of the flesh. And if you want to know what the flesh is, you know, and the works of the flesh, look at Galatians 5. But he also declares any filthiness of the spirit. Well, how can you have filthiness in your spirit? If over a process of time you hold resentment and bitterness, it'll get down on the inside of you. And that's uh, something that we ought to cleanse ourselves from and do our very best to walk in sanctification. Amen? Okay, so let's move on from there. And let's look at verse 4. It says, Whosoever committeth sin transgresses also the law for sin is the transgression of the law and so transgression would be living like there is no law kind of like being an outlaw anybody ever watched old western movies i don't know why it is but i i just like the outlaws and i i like the mafia guys i, I don't understand it but I just kind of like those old wild cowboys. <laughs> they, had, they had no boundaries. And uh, so when we begin to go outside of the commandment of love, when we begin to go outside the parameters that we have in the Word of God, then we are transgressing uh, and, and disobeying the Word of God. And now notice with me in verse 5. And you know that He was manifested to take away our sins, and in Him is no sin. Verse 6, Whosoever abideth in Him sinneth not. Whosoever sinneth hath not seen Him, neither known Him. Now wait a minute, Pastor. I mean, I sinned on the way to church. Well, if you confess that sin, you're cleansed from that sin. What we need to understand here is he's talking to a group of people 
who are so lawless that they are have arrived, if you will, at an unbroken pattern of sin. I mean, they're constantly operating in the flesh, constantly yielding to sin, yielding to temptation habitually. In other words, it is a way of life. And so I question very much if a person really is born again, if they're habitually rebelling against God. Because God has placed on the inside of you the right stuff. And God has placed on the inside of you the ability to walk with Him. And to live for Him. Now everyone in this auditorium, including this guy right here, has fallen short of the glory of God. Sin is an archery term. And the word sin there means to, when you, when you have a, an arrow and you go ahead to uh, hit the target, you're trying to hit the mark, right? Well, that is an archery term. And so sin then is missing the mark. Sin is missing the mark. Everyone has missed the mark. But thank God for His grace. Thank God for His mercy. We don't live like, well, you know, I'll just go ahead and sin, get forgiveness in 1 John 1, 9. No, you need another dip. I have to question that. So he's talking about people that are habitually sinning and practicing it as a way of life. And look at your neighbor and say, that ain't us. Verse 7. Little chillin'. Don't let any man deceive you. He that does righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the devil sins from the beginning. For this purpose was the Son of God manifested, that he might do what to the devil? That he might destroy the works of the devil. What do you mean the works of the devil? Well, the works of the devil are to steal, to kill, and destroy And everything that kills, everything that destroys, everything that robs us is of the enemy. But thank God Jesus was manifested. I said Jesus was manifested. I said Jesus was manifested. What for? To destroy, to dissolve, to loosen, to release those that were under the bondage of demonic forces. Glory to God for this purpose. Hey, I've been released from that. I've been released from migraine headaches. I've been released from debt. Hallelujah. Whom the Son is set free is certainly free indeed. Amen. Now, I want you to look at verse 8 and 9 in the Amplified. So, if you could pull up First John chapter 3 and uh, verse 8 and 9 in the Amplified. We're going we're gonna to see... Uh, Uh, even more clearly, probably the one I've been trying to say. So uh, we'll look at that. Amen. He that committeth sin is of the devil. See what an incredible quality of love the Father... Well, let's look at uh, uh, verse 8 and 9, if you would, please, of 1 John 3. Excuse me if I give you the wrong verse. Verse 8 and verse 9 of the uh, same chapter. Thank you. But he who commits sin, who practices evil doing, is of the devil. 
takes his character from the evil one. For the devil has sinned, violated the divine law from the beginning. The reason the Son of God was manifest, visible, was to undo. Everyone say undo. Undo. Destroy. Destroy. Loosen. Loosen. And dissolve. dissolve. The works of the enemy. enemy. Now look at verse 9. No one that is born or begotten of God. In other words, no one that's saved. Deliberately now. Knowingly. And habitually practices sin. For God's nature... Now, you may... I need to say this because I feel led to say it. You may have certain things that you've tripped up on quite a bit. But that doesn't mean you're not born again. That means that that pattern and that power needs to be broken. For God's nature abides in him. His principle of life. The divine sperm remains permanently within him. And he cannot practice sinning... Because he is born or begotten of God. Is that you? Is that me? We're born of God. We're world overcomers. We're yielding to the Holy Spirit, not the spirit of this world. We're yielding to the Holy Spirit, not the spirit of the flesh. Amen. Now, let's go on. As I said, again, there's two types of sin. There's the... part where we talked about the archery term and then there's transgression which means to go past the borders or the parameters of God's word and to do so deliberately one person defines sin as violation of light in other words we're talking about walking in the light as he is in the light on Sunday morning once light comes to us we are responsible not just to see it then when we see it, we're responsible to do it. Amen? And so, kind of going back to our theme on purifying ourselves, we understand and we see that holiness is Christ-likeness. And I believe this, that the most sanctified are the most satisfied. And I also believe that the happiest are the holiest. And holiness doesn't have anything to do with hair or earrings or jewelry or anything like that. Holiness has to do with the state of, of, of your heart. Separated to God. And so he says, be holy even as I am holy. Just some thoughts about this. Listen to this carefully. The more a person yields to sin and violates the light, the duller he gets. The duller he gets, the dumber he gets. And the dumber he gets, the darker it gets. So, we don't want to be in that category. Now let's go on to verse 10. 1 John chapter 3, verse 10. We're getting somewhere tonight. In this, the children of God are manifest. The children of the enemy. Whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God. Neither he that loveth not his brother... So we get back to this theme, this message of L-O-V-E, love. 1 John, all five chapters, really, the whole book is about love. Jesse Duplantis taught a message down at the West Coast Believers Convention years ago. And the theme of his message for that week is, what's love got to do with it? Well, we know what love's got to do with it. Everything. Amen? And uh, so he's talking about the importance of loving one another and loving your brother and so forth and so on. And uh, he says in verse uh, 
11 again, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that you should love one another. And then he goes on to talk about Cain. He says, not as Cain, or not like Cain, who was of that wicked one, and he slew his brother. And wherefore did he slew him? Because his own works were evil, but his brothers were righteous. So, you know, you could go into a lot of teaching on Cain and Abel, but to summarize what was happening, they both brought an offering to the Lord. And Abel's offering was much more acceptable to the Lord than Cain's offering. Cain didn't give God his very best, but Abel gave him of the firstlings of the flock. He gave him Fluffy. Right? And Fluffy was well-pleasing unto the Lord. But Cain, you know, he just threw a few carrots and some celery and some tomatoes and okra and, you know, not the cream of the crop, just kind of threw it together and sacrificed it to the Lord. Well, his offering was not accepted because it wasn't done out of love. It wasn't done out of a pure motive of love. And of course, God's, uh, you know, attitude toward it was, look, Cain, your offer is unacceptable, Abel's is acceptable, and guess what rose up in him? Hatred. Hatred and jealousy and pride. Those are the earmarks of a life that is full of selfishness. And really full of the devil. You just mark it down. A step into selfishness is a step out of love. A step into selfishness is a step into sin. And a step into sin is a step into darkness. And the further a person steps into sin and darkness, the more works of darkness will be made manifest in their lives. Amen? But you and I, we're walking in the light. But I said all that to say this. Darkness makes people stupid. Sin makes people dumb. Sin and darkness makes people dull around them. And so Cain got dull. He got dark because he was full of hatred. What did he do to his brother? He literally took his brother's life. You know, there are people that have done a lot of stupid things out of selfishness and out of pride. And so what we need to do as Christians is we need to make sure that we are staying, praise God, in righteous living. Amen and amen. All right. Verse 10 says in this, well, we already read that. And, uh, and it says, not as Cain, verse 12, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. And therefore slew he him because his own works were evil and his brother's righteous. Marvel not, brethren, if the world hates you. Don't. Don't get upset if the world hates you. Why? Because they're in darkness. And then it says, he says, we know. Everyone read that with me. We know that we have passed from death unto life. How? Because we say hallelujah at the back door. Huh? Hallelujah. Because we dance when the Holy Spirit starts moving. Uh-uh. No, we know that we pass from life unto death because we love the brethren. Because we love one another. Because we love the sister. 
He that loveth not his brother abides in death. Whosoever hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Hereby perceive we the love of God, because he laid down his life for us. Now notice this statement, and this is what we're going to spend the rest of the time on tonight. And we ought then to lay down our lives for who? We are to lay down our lives for one another. Now listen very carefully these next few moments. Love is absolute evidence that you are born again. In 1 John chapter 3.12, he said again, this is my commandment. This is not a suggestion. He says, this is something that I want all of you to take heed to and act upon, that you love who? One One another. So, did Jesus lay down his life for us? Are we to lay down our lives for one another? Now, I want to talk just a little while about what that means. Because we can be, you know, real spiritual and get real pious. Yes, I'm going to lay down my life for you, Tony. And uh, yes, brother, I'm going to lay down my life for you. It's going to cause me to suffer. And I know there's going to be a great deal of sacrifice involved in it, but I'm going to lay down my life. And it sounds religious. And it is religious. But the thing that is missing is there's no joy in it. Are you listening to me? And God is a God of joy. And Jesus is a Lord of joy. He didn't hang on the cross belligerently. Yes, He suffered. Yes, he sacrificed, but he wasn't belligerent about it. He said, the Bible says, who for the joy that was set before him. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. And so I submit to you tonight that when we lay down our lives literally for one another, it's got to be done in the right atmosphere. It's got to be done with joy. It's got to be done willingly out of an open heart. Turn me to John chapter 15 real quickly. Verse 10. John 15, 10, right on through verse uh, 12. He says, now if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I've kept my dad's commandments and abide in his love. Verse 11. So he's talking about keeping the commandments. Everyone say, keeping the commandments. Now he says, these things have I spoken unto you, that my joy might remain in you, and that your joy might be what? Full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Now be honest about it. When you're selfish, and you're in strife, are you happy? When, when you're yielding to your temper and you're giving a person a piece of your mind, do you go home and sit on the big chair and feel good? Oh, I'm just going to enjoy the rest of the night. I'm glad I got that off my chest. You know, I'm not a doctor, but I do believe this, that there are certain chemicals that are released within our system when we yield to bitterness. And when we yield to anger and when we yield to strife. I cannot prove what it is to you medically, but I felt it. 
because I've done it before. And if you weren't so holy, you'd admit that you have as well. (laughs) It's not, it's just, you know, it, it might be a temporary fix for you. But what's the bang for the buck? I mean, do you, do you feel good about that? Do you feel good about chewing something about somebody out? Do you feel good about cutting that person off on the freeway? Do you feel good about buttoning in line in the grocery store? Uh-uh. Why? Because it's the opposite of love. And you and I are not of selfishness. We are of love. We are of God. And so, it always pays rich dividends to be patient. It's much better to be kind than it is to be unkind. It's wonderful to be able to endure long. And not be an accountant and keeping track of the evil that's been done to you. But I'd rather get into a point where you don't even pay attention to a suffered wrong. To where before you were born again, you were touchy and you were fretful and you were resentful. Now you're full of peace. Did you hear what they said about you? Oh, I know they didn't mean it. They might just be having a bad day. Let it go. Christians let things drop. Now, I'm not saying that there's not a time to exercise tough love and to confront situations. But you've got to make sure you're led by the Spirit. And you confront situations and people in the love of God. So here's what I want you to see. Verse 11, he's talking about fullness of joy in the context of loving one another. And if we're going to love one another, that means we're going to have to prefer one another. If we're going to love one another, we're going to have to cover one another's sins. Amen? Now there's a balance to that. You know, when a person sins and misses it, they need to be held accountable for that. But they don't need to be raked over the coals over it. And they don't need to be judged about it. And they don't need to be talked about behind their back. Remember that old song, The Backstabbers? Some of the honoriest, ugliest people are Christians. Stabbing people in the back. Yes, accountability, but above all, love. The love of God never fails. You know, over the course of time and over the course of years, we've had people come in here for a time of restoration. You don't know them. I do. And I'm talking about people that have had large, huge ministries, much bigger than ours. Sitting in this place, going through a time of restoration, going through a process. And I was so delighted to hear, not too long ago, that a person that has been going through that process is attending our church and let me know how comfortable he feels in our church. Now listen, because of the love of the people. That will bring tears to a pastor's eyes. You know why? Because some way, somehow, people are getting it. Are you listening to me? It's a powerful thing. See, we need to understand this. The church is not a house of judgment. 
This is not a house of condemnation. This is a house of mercy. This is a house of love. This is a house of the grace of God. And what we want to do is protect the atmosphere that we have in this place. What we have here, whether you realize it or not, is extremely precious. He shed his precious blood for precious people. And throughout the years, the people in this church have yielded to the precious love of God. And in him, they have become refined. They've been through some things. They've been through the fire. But I'm happy to say as their pastor, many of them have come out shining. And they're bright lights. And they're precious in the sight of God. God's good. Let's raise our hands and thank him for it. So love doesn't expose, does it? Love covers. You know, even if you know something about somebody, what's the bang for the, what's the benefit of letting people know about it? What good is it going to do? I'll guarantee you, nothing. And you know, last time I checked, nothing times nothing. All right, verse 13. Greater love has no man than this, than a man lay down his life. For who? His friends. friends. Laying down your life. So if you're going to lay down your life for your friends and for your brothers and sisters, you've got to do it right. It must be accompanied with joy. Listen very carefully. This kind of love will always benefit someone else. Amen? So it's not some sort of a spiritual development for you so that you can suffer and, oh, you know, we're, we're bearing the burdens. and Come on now. No. It's so that you can be the person with money in his hand, with healing in his hands, with the word of encouragement in due season, and so that you can be a blessing. Now notice this. He says, by this we know love. Because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for who? For the brethren. Now, let's quickly look at about four or five scriptures before we go home tonight. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 9 and 10. But as touching brotherly love, you don't need that I write to you, for you yourselves are taught of God to do what? And indeed you do it toward all the brethren which are in Macedonia. But we beseech you, brothers, that you increase more and more. Can we do better? Can you do better? Well, if you can do better, and I can do better, we all can do better. Amen? And so I want to commend the church for yielding up to this point to a degree of love. But in God and through God, there's always more. I believe we can do greater things. I believe that we can do more as a church corporately. The New Living Testament says, but we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving one another. 
For God Himself has taught you to love one another. Indeed, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even what? Even more. Now look at Romans chapter 15. Romans the 15th chapter. Let's look at this and and, uh, verses 1 through 3. And you could pull that up for me if you would please. Romans 15. Verse 1 through 3, a new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Now notice in verse 1, he says, we then that are strong, say with me, I'm strong. We ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. So in a setting like we are in, In our walk in God, in our walk for God, there are going to be those that are more mature. There are going to be those that are more developed in the love walk. And then there are those that are on a different level of life spiritually. And we could say, when it comes to the love walk, they're weak. Or, when it comes to their faith, they're not as strong as they're going to be. Amen? Amen? And so what we who are strong need to come alongside those that are weak. And not with a haughty attitude, but with an attitude of what? I'm here to love you. I'm here to serve you. Is there anything that I can do for you? That's what a servant does. He says, so we that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak. And notice with me, and not to please ourselves. You know, the good thing about the Lord is, is if we live this way that I'm talking about tonight, there'll be plenty of pleasure. You will enjoy life to the full. You'll have an abundance and it will overflow. If you serve him and obey him, you will spend your years in pleasure. Now notice in verse 2, he says, Let every one of us please his neighbor for his good. For whose good? His good to edification. In other words, building up. Verse 3. For even Christ didn't please himself. But as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproach thee, where do they fall on? They fell on the Lord. So let's look at another scripture. Romans chapter 16. And I want us to look at verses 1 through 4. We're just going to pound this in tonight. Amen? Amen. We're going to pound in the idea of walking in love and not selfishness. Paul, you know, is writing this epistle to the church at Rome. And he says, now I commend you to Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church, which is at Centuria. Did you receive her in the Lord as becometh saints? And that you assist her in whatever business she has need of you. For she hath been a helper of many and of myself also. Phoebe must have been quite a sister. Phoebe must have been about her father's business. She was commended by Paul. She said, he said, not only has he helped many in the church, but she's helped me. And then he says, now greet Priscilla too. And greet Aquila. My helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks. 
Unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. So we see these women. You know, there's something about women in the church. I said there's something about women. Thank God for women in the church. 1987, Dr. Uh, Brenda and I went, I almost said Dr. Cho and I went to Brenda's church in Seoul, Korea. (laughs) That's something. Brenda and I, for our fifth anniversary here, we went to CGI, Church Growth International, over in uh, Seoul, Korea. Got to meet Dr. Uh, Dr. Youngi Cho, Dr. Cho Youngi, and uh, got to have great fellowship with believers from all over the world. Went up to Prayer Mountain. It was absolutely glorious. And one day, we went into a little home where they had their cell meeting. And a cell meeting is a small Bible study. And that's why they have the largest church in the world, because they have thousands and thousands of cell groups. Yes, they have huge church services. The services mm, probably sit 25,000 or so. You've been to Seoul? Yes. And so, uh, but what we were impressed by is the sea of humanity in between services. I mean, there were a thousand going up those stairs and thousand coming down the stairs. But the strength of Yodai, full gospel church, is not the massive services. It's their cell system. It's their small groups. And it is the roar of prayer that constantly goes up from the people of God to the throne of God. I wasn't ready for it. We flew in and, uh, you know, you get a little jet lag when you fly about 80 hours. And uh, we got there and Pastor Dick Burnell from Jubilee was scheduled to speak on a Wednesday afternoon. And before the service started, they had a prayer meeting. Brenda and I walked in there, and I'm telling you, it sounded like the voices of many waters. People calling out to God in intercession and in prayer, pulling down strongholds, believing God corporately. It was beyond description. It was out of this world. And that one Saturday, we were assigned to go to a cell group. Nobody spoke a stitch of English. But we went. And I'm telling you what. The love of God was there. And most of their cell leaders are women. Dr. Cho said, if you want to get something done, big in the kingdom of God, enlist the women. Because there's something about a woman who loves the Lord that will pray heaven to earth and pray babies out of drugs. Glory! I'm making my... I'm getting happy. And this is not a put down on the men. Because men of God are rising up in this generation. Men of God are rising up in these last days. And we're going to come together even more and more. But Paul, you know, he was commending Phoebe. He was commending Priscilla. I don't know when my last Sunday is going to be at Heart of the Bay Christian Center. You know, it's either die or fly, one or the other. I prefer to fly and not die. 
just like you. But I, I, I will know in my spirit if Jesus tarries. I was telling Brenda last night, I know when Jesus is coming back. She said, well, you ought to get on all these shows and let everybody know. I really don't know. I know he's coming back. But I really don't know. What was I talking about? Yeah, dire fly. Last Sunday. I tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to say a big thank you to the Phoebes of this church and the Priscilla's and the Pastor Nancy's and Pastor Kimberly and PT's. Because, quite frankly, nobody can do anything without plenty of help. I mean, in this last year... This last year, there were mornings I couldn't hardly get out of bed without help. But I had a good wife. She helped me up. Hallelujah. And that's what we do as a church. We help one another. We serve one another. We don't judge one another. And we grow together. See, it's very important, more important than all of us realize is that Growth, it comes from the Word. It, it, it comes from prayer. It comes from development in your spiritual life. But it also comes in an atmosphere of community. Yes. Right. And you're in a community tonight. Yeah. You're in a commune of fellowship. Now, that doesn't mean we're going to go eat all your groceries and <laughs> get you know weird on each other, stuff like that. But community is so vital, it's so important. It's what I'm feeling in my spirit is much bigger than my words can express. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. We'll try to get finished here. There is this atmosphere of love. He says, all things, verse 23, 1 Corinthians 10, 23, he says, all things are lawful for me, but all things are not profitable. All things are lawful for me, but all things don't edify. And then he said in verse 24, Let no man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Wow. Think about that. How many of you would love to have your house paid for? How many of you would love to have your car paid for? Amen? I don't think we have any deficit of faith in believing God to get out of debt. But how much faith are we extending to help our brother get out of debt? Would you pay someone's car off if the Lord told you? Well, I'd try to find out how much they owed first. (laughs) Well, what difference does it make? It could be $3,300 or $33,000. You don't have it anyway. (laughs) But if the Lord tells you, He's going to provide seed. Come on, somebody. He's going to provide seed for the sower. For years, a lady in our church gave us checks to help us pay our home off. Many, many years. This is seed we're sowing into your debt freedom. That's awesome. Now listen, friends. When you get to this place where you become the man or the woman with the pitcher in their hand, 
When you get to that place, it becomes a whole lot more joyous to give than it does to receive. When you see little children getting blessed with Christmas presents, when you see someone's car being paid off, or when you give them your car, get out of pride. You don't have to give them a Cadillac. Give what you have. Look at this, verse 24. We're just getting into it now. He says, don't let men, any man seek his own, but every man another's wealth. Say it with me and pray it with me. Lord, Lord help, me to be help me to be a great blessing. A great blessing. That's true Christianity right there. Amen. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 15. Quickly now. 2 Corinthians 12, verse 15. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church at Corinth. And he says, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. All right. So what is this saying? This is saying glad to do it. Glad to do it. Glad to be here for you. Glad to do it. Glad to be of service to you. Glad to be a blessing. Now quickly over to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Verse 13, he says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. Say it with me, I'm strong. strong. Then he said in verse 14, Let all your things be done with love. Every conversation, every business deal, everything. Amen? In the home. Verse 15. I beseech you therefore, brethren, you know the house of Stephanus, that is the first fruits of Achaia. Now listen to this. And that they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Living this way and giving this way is addicting. Addicting. I am a love addict. Get your mind out of the gutter. I'm not talking about eros love or phileo love or storge love. I'm talking about agape love. I'm addicted to the ministry of the saints. Verse 16. That you submit yourselves unto such and to everyone that helpeth with us in labors. I'm glad of the coming of Stephanus and Fortunatus and Achaius. For that which was lacking on your part, what did they do? They have supplied. Verse 18. For they also have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore acknowledge ye them that are such. So living this way is a refreshing life. Listen to this and write this down if you like. The selfish life, the selfish life is the empty life. The selfish life is the empty life. And then again, the selfish life is the miserable life. So we see two things. The selfish life is what? It's the empty life. The selfish life is the? Is the miserable life. And I love this last statement. 
But the giving life is the fulfilling life. If you're writing that down, let me say it one more time. The giving life is the fulfilling life. The fulfilling life. So how do we do this? How do we keep the love command? And I need to stop right here and we'll pick up in a couple weeks. Who's doing next Wednesday night? Is it you? Or is it you? One of them. It is I. It is I. Be not afraid. <laughs> anyway, hope you got something on it tonight. The word is always good. Amen. But these are really good things. And, and, and so just, just look to the Lord and say, Lord, help me to be a blessing. You know, you don't try to impress anyone or anything like that. Just be a blessing. Amen. Let's all stand to our feet for a minute.